Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Danny Klinkscale Reasonably Irreverent Podcast. Insightful and witty commentary, probing interviews, and detours from the beaten path. Welcome to Arts and Lifestyle Wednesday, presented by Cinematic Visions, and we debut a new podcast at dannyklinkscale.com, and the Reasonably Irreverent Podcast today, a series you will hear periodically here, and we'll see where we take this. It is Reconcilable Differences with Danny and Jane. It's kind of a couple's riff on just about everything. A lot of times we're going to do reviews of movies we have seen. That's what this one is going to be about. Other times we attend concerts together. We go to restaurants together. We live life together. We have ideas that are disparate and ideas that are simpatico. Oh, boy, do we know how to banter. Yes, we do know how to banter, and we're both supposed to be trained professionals in this type of thing. Jane with a background as a singer and now as the owner of Venice Communications, and that's a communications business, obviously, and sometimes uh, assists and helps out people in communicating better and telling their stories and we're going to be kind of telling our stories during this about stories and about movies and about books and about things we care about and about things that we think that you will care about as well today we'll look at women's empowerment through the eyes of two movies set about 150 more than that years apart one during the civil war one a contemporary story two recent movies bombshell and little women and there's a strain of women's empowerment through both of these oh it was fascinating Greta Gerwig did a phenomenal job of rearranging uh, the timeline in Little Women. The energy level was amazing. And then Bombshell, wow, wow. Fantastic performances, which we'll discuss. Absolutely. And it is our first edition of Reconcilable Differences. It's right here at the Danny Klinkscale Reasonably Irreverent Podcast for this week on Arts and Lifestyle Wednesday, presented by Cinematic Visions. Cinematic Visions has been an affordable solution for professional media production in Kansas City since 2003, offering award-winning video production and creation, as well as a wide array of digital and social media management services. From planning, scripting, filming, editing, and post-production to delivering your product to a watching world, Cinematic Visions will provide professional and affordable services for you and your business with the necessary return on investment to make it all worthwhile. Cinematic Vision's goal is to unlock the power of storytelling through video and a strong online presence for your company. Beyond the numbers, they want to inspire and evoke your clients to feel and act. Let my friends at Cinematic Visions embed your brand where it belongs, in your customers' minds. You can find them online at cinematicvisions.com or with a quick phone call at 816-600-6300. Hey guys, it's Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks, and Matt Llewellyn from the 23rd Street Brewery. Matt, I've got a bunch of buddies coming over to watch the big game, and I need some ideas on what to cook. Hey, let me handle it, Brian. You're going to come over and cook for us? For you, maybe. But you should just let 23rd Street Brewery cater it. We could bring a big pan of Bill Self mac and cheese, wings, veggies, naked nachos, and anything else you might want. Great. Well, you want to stick around and watch the game? No, I've got to get back to the brewery and watch it on the big screen. The place to get great catering and watch all the games, the 23rd Street Brewery in Lawrence. 
If you'd like to join these and other great sponsors and market your business to a growing and engaged audience, contact us at danny at dannyclinkscale.com. Look forward to hearing from you. Welcome back to Reconcilable Differences with Danny and Jane. And this week's edition, this particular edition, is about two women's movies. They're not women's movies. Actually, there's been a big discussion about Little Women and some uh, people, columnists and, and the like, have complained about the fact that boys and men are not going to see Little Women. And then some other people on the other side are saying, well, they have no they have no obligation to go see a movie about a, a story about girls. But I guess the, uh, the issue is that a coming-of-age story about a boy or boys is something that maybe is seen as something for everyone, where in some cases, somehow in this particular venue, that a story about young girls is seen as something for girls. Uh, I don't know if that's a controversy, but uh, it has been raised, certainly. I maybe think one part reason of that might be going on is partly, you know, when, when it was actually taking place in the Civil War. And so maybe it's hard to understand, you know, what... Maybe there's an assumption that women didn't have the feelings and the aspirations that they actually did. And that's what's so great about this film, because it's actually the kernel of the fire that has taken off ever since then uh, about the women's movement and women's abilities and women's right to break free of conventions. And the, the real overarching message of this is through the eyes of Joe, uh, the lead character played by Saoirse Ronan, and she is absolutely brilliant uh, did she win the academy award she was at least nominated for brooklyn i know that uh but uh good performances all around but she certainly is the centerpiece of it and she is the character who has the most ambition in a restricted society where basically the character that's uh, played obviously by meryl streep is really one that wants to insist or strongly suggest to the daughters that marrying well is really the only particular avenue for young girls. Joe you know, basically rebels against that completely. Her, The other of the two sisters who has the biggest part of the story is, uh, is Florence Pugh as Amy March, and she's the one who will go off to Paris and sort of pursue that. But that story and that restriction is, you know, it's true. I mean, basically what uh, Meryl Streep as Aunt March is saying is the reality of the day that except for being maybe a teacher, uh, there's really no avenue for true success and true economic success for a young lady except for marriage. You know what was really amazing to me, and I don't think I'm giving anything away. Most people know the story, but the way they depict how Joe finally fiddles with her own storyline for the book, she accepts the fact that she's going to have to make some um, adjustments in life to get at least to the place where she was able to get, which, which is where she became one of the most famous female writers of all time. Who would ever guess that it would come from such a um, poignant and honest look at her life with her sisters? And one thing I must say as a sister myself of only one other sister, she really hit the mark on the head on all these kinds of little game-playing things that go on, um, but was fabulously told in a very unique way. And what was very interesting is the pivotal character of, what was his name, Danny? Lori. Yeah. I mean, fantastic acting there. Um, and he laced in the fact that each one of these girls had unique 
capabilities. And it, we were seeing this through his eyes. And to me, that's where guys need to go see this movie and see how he reacts to these women. That's how you need to react to women. This movie is filled with great performances. And that one, uh, Theodore Laurie Lawrence, uh, who becomes a love interest of multiple of the sisters during the course of uh, the film is played by Timothy Chalamet and he has been great in multiple films now and is emerging as one of the best young actors and in my mind he really made the film uh now there were like I said Saoirse Ronan as Joe Emma Watson as Meg Florence Pugh as Amy the younger daughter didn't have as much to do but was an, an important character Beth who was uh in the end, a, a sickly figure. She was played by Eliza Scanlon. Uh, and Laura Dern is the strong mom who was fabulous in this film. But linking it all together, as you mentioned, and seeing the girls' characters and really the worldview and the disappointment from his standpoint of dealing with the worldview of Joe and, and the other characters uh, was Laurie and Timothy Chalamet is just a star. You know, what's interesting in this to me is any of the other versions that I have seen, like that one with Peter Lawford, lovely to look at, but they did not lace his character in the way Greta did in this to show the value that these women bring to the earth through his eyes that was a brilliant stroke of genius on her part. So I think something to think about if you're going to this film. She obviously is an emerging filmmaker. She made her big splash in Lady Bird, which I didn't see and you did see. The movies are different, but they do have a storytelling aspect about women. And I would imagine that that's probably going to be something that she mines on a regular basis. Well, honest dialogue. I have to say this, you know, truth, truth in storytelling, uh, as if you're right in the room with them. It was maybe heightened um, pace of the dialogue, but in the end, you still felt like everyone was uh, true to their characters as if it were happening at that very moment, which is really hard to do, especially for a period piece now. Even Florence, who I wasn't quite sure about at the beginning of this, she unveiled herself as an extremely um, likable and understandable character, having always been sort of in the shadow of Joe. But then coming out, you just almost saw this teeter-totter effect of who was, who was going to play the power uh, right, against because, the other one. Because as the young girl, you know, the oldest daughter is, is Meg, and she would go on to a more conventional life regret it a little bit, but seemingly want to embrace being married, even though her husband would be a not-so-well-to-do uh, school teacher. Uh, but uh, Amy was the girly girl of the bunch, or at least she was the one at the as a young girl who cared so much about what she looked, and she was like doing things like pinching her nose to make sure it, it didn't grow to a, to yeah, a different way, at, and how her knees there's looked. There's probably and, more Amys in the world now than anything else. <laughs> I hate to say it, especially with you know the way people want to look. Yeah, you know, I kind of felt like maybe if, of all the characters that weren't as as you know far developed. Um, Amy's might have been a little bit more uh, developed, but it was it was hard because Joe, you know, takes the scene and and it, the character was fantastic. The scenes were phenomenal. The pacing was great. Um, the only thing is, I felt sometimes um, there maybe this is part of it. There's a sadness to this. Maybe it's partly because of the younger daughter, and that is a major pivotal moment in this movie. And I don't want to give it all away, but I just I just think it. Uh, 
it uh, it's uplifting, and yet there's also a poignancy to it. Well, there there certainly are disappointments for people in this in this film. The the father goes off to war. He he. Uh, the mother clearly has had some uh, frustrations in her life, which she expresses, but has come through them, uh, and has sort of hidden her frustration from her daughters in a very effective way. Uh, but there there are also great small characters, and, and a not-so-small one is Chris Cooper, unrecognizable to me throughout the film, as Mr. Lawrence, who is seemingly uh, the what we can all identify, I think, from childhood is the, is the mean old man who lived next door who, in the end, turns out to be anything but. And, and he was really a great small character oh in this God, film. Oh, my God, the whole... The whole scene, you know, where he ends up giving uh, his piano to the youngest daughter because she is the one that loves music so much. And she, he's doing it out of the love for his daughter that he lost. So there's a lot of discussion and background about loss in this, in this um, movie and obviously the text of her book. Uh, but Greta has really torn this thing up and twisted the plots around to, to meld as far as timing and i think that's a the movie is done in basically two sections it's not and they're not two sections they're interrupted with each other but the two storylines are seven years apart and when the girls were younger and maybe early teens to younger than that and then when they were growing into young ladyhood later on or womanhood and at first I found it a little bit jarring, the back and forth, but you do get into the rhythm of it. The scenes are shot a little bit differently. The modern scenes, the scenes of contemporary life, it was during the 1860s, uh, were shot with a sort of a more straightforward focus, a softer focus to the shooting of the, of the memory pieces as well. The movie looks very good, but... Eventually, it was not jarring, and it was a very effective way to tell the story, I thought. What a wonderful moment to have this, uh, this, this story come out again by such a young, vibrant director who has so many great things to offer. I was frankly shocked that she was not nominated for a Golden Globe. I'm just going to say that 10 million times over. It's really shocking to me. Yeah, I I agree with that. Now there's only five nominations for Best Director, and now they've moved it up to, can be up to 10 for Best Picture in the Academy Awards. And sometimes it is difficult in, in those cases that the other, the five directors who were nominated for Golden Globe uh, all did outstanding work. Uh, but but being nominated, you know, I, I mentioned earlier that uh, did, did she win, did Saoirse win for Brooklyn? I believe she did. But even if she didn't, I, even as, as much of a cinema buff as I am, um, I always remember when people are nominated for an Academy Award, but a lot of times it, I don't remember if they won. And a lot of times I don't think it really matters if they won or not. Uh, I think the nomination is the thing. So that's why it is kind of a shame when she doesn't get that. But I, I don't think Greta Gerwig is going to uh, suffer for a lack of nominations through the years. And Well, I agree, but I also beg to differ on this one because I have to say... This was one of the most complete, and I'm not, and I haven't seen 1917 yet. So, in right. fairness, that's coming yeah, out we here. We are very much looking forward here, to seeing so that, that. So, you know, just to you know, give that context. But it was such a complete movie, so fulfilling in so many ways. That is what a great filmmaker does. So, I hope she doesn't. You know, I hope she keeps on. Yeah, I think uh, she certainly will. She's she's quite young, and uh, she's made 
what has been a widely acclaimed film and, and justifiably so carries a great message good performances way down the line in this one 10 12 14 deep as i mentioned the film looks good it was shot entirely in the concord massachusetts area which is where this story was originally set uh, even down to the person who sh- uh, joe as the author goes to 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 try and sell the book is a very twinkle in the eye interesting character was gruff and and rejecting her sort of uh, even those little details were were quite clever fabulous Love doing this with you, Danny. Can't wait for the next moment. <laughs> the next moment comes after our break, and that will be a look at a contemporary look at women uh, and the challenges they face and the empowerment they can try to bring upon themselves. It's Bombshell. We'll talk about that one next on Reconcilable Differences with Danny and Jane on the Reasonably Irreverent Podcast. More of Danny's Reasonably Irreverent Podcast after this. We're here with Joe Spiker, the president of Easton Roofing. And Joe, you worked for other companies in the construction industry. What inspired you to start your own company in Easton Roofing? Well, you know, Danny, when you are working for somebody else, you oftentimes don't get to see the project through from beginning to end. And you don't get the final control over the customer experience. And I wanted to build a place where people can come and get work done on their house and not have to worry about being treated the wrong way and get a good customer service experience start to finish. The company slogan is, Where Integrity Matters. Why is that so particularly important to you? Well, for us, what that means is treating each other with respect at work, treating our clients with respect, and making the right choice, especially when no one's looking. So when you're presented all the time as a contractor with choices that have to be made Are you going to make more money on this if you cut a corner? And we just wanted to make a place and a slogan that said to our people and to whoever is our customer, we're not going to do that. We're going to make the right choice, regardless of profit. Easton Roofing, where integrity matters. For many people, a family law case will be one of the most difficult experiences in their life. The law firm of Kenneth McRae will help you through it. Personal and effective help from Ken in concert with you will develop a unique strategy for your unique case. As Ken always says, divorce can be civil law, not civil war. Licensed in Kansas? Visit McCraylawoffice.com or call 913-972-4765. Are you thinking of starting a new business? Does your current business feel stuck? Or are you just trying to grow what you already have? Running a business is a lot of work, and it takes the right team to make it all happen. If you're looking to grow your business, call my friends Ben and Greg over at Fuego Consulting. They put together a company that can help you reach your business goals. Whether you're looking to get online, build a social media strategy, or rebrand your business, they can help. Call Fuego at 816-663-9695 or visit them online at FuegoConsulting.com. Fuego Consulting. Let's grow your business together. If you'd like to join these and other great sponsors and market your business to a growing and engaged audience, contact us at danny at dannyclinkscale.com. Look forward to hearing from you. Welcome back to Arts and Lifestyle Wednesday presented by Cinematic Visions and our first edition of Reconcilable Differences with Danny and Jane. I'm Danny Clinkscale. That's Jane Seaman sitting over there. You can't see her, but you can hear her. Hi, everybody. Good, that's a good thing. Uh, we're going to continue with uh, today's effort. Talking about Bombshell, the movie out late last year now, uh, and it is an, another 
film that looks at the challenges that women face, this time in the workplace, this time in very contemporary times. The film is set just before the first presidential debates back in 2015, rolling into 2016, and Roger Ailes and the atmosphere at Fox News. First of all, I would imagine that people who like Fox News are not going to attend this movie in all likelihood, so I don't know if it really matters whether they feel like it would be unfair or whatever. Maybe they did it out of curiosity. I don't know. Uh, The film, according to most, adheres pretty closely to the facts, but there's a certain element that of whether it's accurate or not, Fox News just isn't going to come off very well in this particular enterprise. Well, what's interesting to me is having lived in New York, Boston, London, Chicago, when you're in the higher... Um, stress higher competitive markets, especially at that level of uh, the broadcast industry news, the stakes are really high. And um, I've seen this, I've seen this kind of behavior throughout my my career when I was in opera. So I wasn't surprised at all about this. It was fabulous to watch. You know, the bombshells were there. Charlize Theron playing Megan Kelly. Oh my God! And Margot. Robbie, who may be the most beautiful woman on screen at the moment. Uh, So there were bombshells going off both visually and in the truth of what actually happened. Charlize Theron plays Megyn Kelly. Nicole Kidman plays Gretchen Carlson. Those obviously are real-life characters. Margot Robbie plays a fictional character, Kayla Pospisil, a very ambitious young lady who wants to, from a born-again Christian background, who wants to succeed on air. She is brought to Fox News as somebody who was in a, some kind of a writing or production role. It was kind of difficult to tell exactly what she was doing at first, but uh, she's very ambitious, and her tale is the one that sort of pieces things together because she is the young person who has not yet made it, who is the one that Roger Ailes will put his uh, hooks into and, and use the, the ways that he uh, pressured women all along in his career, but she is the up-to-date and modern version of it. And Gretchen Carlson is the person who is going to be the first one who is going to try to blow the whistle on this whole thing after she's fired by Fox That's News. Nicole Kidman plays her. Right, as Nicole Kidman plays her. and uh, But the real centerpiece of this movie is Charlize Theron. Uh, she worked very hard at looking like Megyn Kelly. She kind of looks a little bit like her to begin with, but got her speech pattern down. Uh, particularly well, which is a little bit difficult. There's a slight speech, speech impediment that Megyn Kelly has, and she got that almost perfectly. But at the beginning, there's a fourth wall that brings us into Megyn Kelly's world through Charlize Theron. She's talking to the audience. That will go away eventually as the film uh, progresses. But I think that might have been a way to make the character a little more approachable. These are not necessarily, uh, in Megyn Kelly and Gretchen Carlson, as portrayed by the two great actresses, really very likable characters. There is sympathy and likability for Kayla Pospisil with Margot Robbie playing her. So there's different things being done by three excellent actresses. You know, I I think that's very true. You could see, even in Margot's character, the ambitions of these women. They wouldn't be there if they didn't already have something unique to offer. But unfortunately, just to has stood the test of time looks or everything especially in the tv news business and it's uh what was really telling to me and what was great to see is there was a character that kate mckinnon plays that 
really shows that there are people from all walks of life, life working in all different uh, environments, even at Fox News, who can see this stuff happening, and they, they feel like they have to keep their mouth shut about it. Um, in fact, one of my favorite scenes in the movie was between Kate and Margot Robbie's character, which really unveils uh, a lot of what Margot's having to deal with in order to feel like she's going to, the only way to get noticed was to sleep with the boss. Who knew? Or sort of not sleep with the boss, but do things with the boss that are completely inappropriate. And uh, she would end up uh, performing the one thing that he always wanted the most, as, as a matter of fact. Uh, John Lithgow plays Roger Ailes, uh, who has a long and distinguished uh, history as far as being a political kingmaker, and certainly that's pointed out in the film. And he's somebody who took the fact that television news obviously always has given us attractive people presenting the news. I mean, that's part of the deal. But they put it on steroids and took it to another level with uh, women wearing short skirts. They were expected to have them shorter and shorter, lots of legs, uh, bold colors. Uh, His recurring mantra was, this is a visual medium. He used that when he attempted to seduce the women as well. So certainly there's a lot going on here. You know, it was was I'm not surprised about which really still sad to me is he had somehow um told him and accepted this in himself for such a long time that he just thought that that was part of life that he was allowed and it was appropriate for him to be able to do this for all of these years and that's that's going on still it's never gonna stop but it's fascinating to see you know a national organization of this stature finally allow this kind of thing to unravel and it took a lot of guts from these women I mean um, shocking guts from Nicole Kidman's character character Gretchen Carlson I mean kudos to her and, and of course there the, the the under there's always there are many undercurrents in this film and many things that will cause you to question the characters who to carry a film you people want there to be a certain likability factor that it comes through but for instance Nicole Kidman, as Gretchen Carlson, has long held these frustrations about how she was approached and uh, and had to rebuff. She rebuffed uh, the advances of Roger Ailes and others. And, and it's Roger Ailes is the singular figure as far as the, the worst behavior, but the entire atmosphere of uh, sexual harassment certainly pervades uh, the entire workplace here. But she did not act on it until she was fired. Uh, Charlize yeah. Theron let Gretchen Carlson sort of twist in the wind for a long time. Uh, Margot Robbie had to decide eventually whether she was just going to basically throw away the ambitions that she had to join in as well. Uh, I do have to put some very good kudos to the t- to two other li- unlikable characters. John Lithgow harumphed his way around okay. wonderf- wonderfully. This guy, I cannot forget. I can't stop thinking about him. And I think it has to do with, he is so, he has a way of embodying a character that it, it isn't ne- necessarily overtly naturalistic or realistic, but he embodies the character so much you can't take your eyes off him. You can't forget him. In fact, I, I just keep thinking about him, which is really, really odd because, boy, does he look bad. <laughs> he does but look he was bad so good in this character. And he's very obsessed with looks in general, pointing out a couple of times when people are questioning him about these sexual harassment charges, which eventually do explode as a bombshell. Uh, 
Well, I didn't always look like this. You know, it, it yeah, isn't, yeah, it isn't really so in, it isn't so inconceivable that these women would be attracted to me. Uh, and he also has a, a willing co-conspirator in his in his wife. Now she either doesn't know or just decides not to uh, uh, think about the fact that he has been doing this all along and just ta- calls him salty and whatever. But a completely unlikable character who seems like somewhat of a dimwit for not, uh, you know seeing through her husband's facade, but being supportive in a strong way, that's a difficult part to play. And Connie, okay, so, Connie okay, Britton okay, did okay, a good Danny, job of it. I've got my thoughts on this. I really think that the Roger Ailes, the Harvey Weinsteins of the world, they do this because the boys club has been getting away with it, and they're all winking at each other, and it's a game for them. And it's accepted, and it's expected of them to do this. And so... That's part of their whole power process, and it's it's been happening forever. And I'm, it'll be curious to see how the whole Me Too movement. You know, there's so many things that have been coming out now, and I'm so, I'm grateful. I think it's sad. I just think this is actually sad because, you know, flirting's okay. Natural flirting with people when it's, when it's not um, maliciously intended, is a normal fact of life. But unfortunately, men like Roger Ailes create a an environment where we're not supposed to have any sort of back and forth with the opposite sex at all until we marry them and then go to bed. We can't actually have any flirtation anymore. I find that rather sad. So hopefully, eventually, there'll be some balance of common ground here. Right. The Roger Ailes of the world have kind of wrecked the fun, as it were, for you know at least this period of time when you... It, Sometimes maybe there's an, an overcorrection in any situation like this. Some people see the Me Too movement that way. I don't necessarily think it's gotten to there yet, but, you know, that, that's that's a discussion for another day. This film had many strengths. But it was really carried by the performances, the story everybody pretty much knew. Um, to me, the only maybe downside of the film directed by Jay Roach, who was really known more for films... Uh, comedy films that he has made in the past, uh, uh, but has recently made a couple of more serious films. He does a good job here. Everything is bright. You need this topic, because of the topic, I think bright scenes, bright colors, everything else is is a positive to make people have a better feeling as we're going down this miserable rat hole. Uh, So I believe he did a good job, except there are a lot of characters in this film that are real people. And and they make short appearances in the film, and they seemingly, to me, tried a little t- bit too hard to either make them look just like they were, yeah. or they come off being a little bit cartoonish. Yeah, I, I agree with that. You know, it's funny, though. I kind of differ with you on this brightness. I saw the brightness of this as more of a s- attempting to show the sterility and the lack of humanity in the office. I, there was something about that whole that whole brightness of everything and then it was it was even bright in his office which was really weird because it was a den of we all know what and what was really really even worse is his 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 assistant his at the set i'm going to use the word secretary here and that's exactly what she was was actually the she was letting this 
she was seeing it all and not saying a word either. And she was of another era. Right. This is an older woman who had worked for Roger Ailes forever in a day. And I think he just, she just probably was from a generation that felt like, well, this is just the way the world works. What am I going to do? This is a good job. Uh, I know what's going on. And, uh, you know, that's just everyday activity for her. What was interesting to me, and I've obviously never been in these offices, but there was a claustrophobic feel. All the, all the, um, no one felt like they could say anything because the desks are so close to each other. Even Megan Kelly, as she was walking around throughout this whole thing, you know, Charlize's character, there was this feeling of every, every, no one can say a word. And that is, that's just a really sad, sad state of affairs if you have to work in an environment like that. And of course, in the end, Gretchen Carlson's uh, acts of bravery create a team 22 women, at least, end up making allegations against Roger Ailes. He eventually is fired. Bill O'Reilly eventually uh, takes the fall uh, subsequently as well. He's only a superfluous character in this particular film. Uh, but uh, So I guess one of the things that is not even spoken a little bit in the post-titles is the fact that Fox News, and, and there is a kind of a Nice sighting as Malcolm McDowell plays Rupert Murdoch, who fires the uh, fires them at the end. But Fox News is just they weren't they weren't undercut, damaged in any way, shape, or form by this. Even though their kingmaker Roger Ailes, the person who created this whole thing, it just steamrolled along after and does to this day, even after the fall of Roger Ailes, Bill O'Reilly. The person who ran the show and the person who really made Fox News in many ways. It's weird, isn't it? I. I would think uh, potentially they could have made Fox News and actually another character in this, but that was rather superfluous to the to actual thing that was going on. And I'm not sure whether that was because it's it's happening in so many more places than just Fox News. Fox News, we know this. It's just interesting that that was the platform to to base this on. Yeah, and the, and the, your level of annoyance or whatever about the political message of this particular film would. It, is just basically going to depend on what side of the aisle you're on or what your politics are, because certainly, and in some cases, obviously, rightly so, but you could do it at, at you know MSNBC or anywhere else. But this story is about Fox News and and sexual harassment, which wasn't as pervasive at other places. Not to say it certainly didn't exist, but uh, you know there there were pot shots taken here at, at Fox News, characters talking about what they had to do uh, to present the news in a certain way. So it, it certainly is not just about the surrex, uh, sexual harassment issue. It, it's not apolitical in any way. But I thought it was a well done and important film, and I thought it was good work. But from a movie maker or a cinema viewer standpoint, the way you enjoy this film per se is through the great performances of the top characters. Yeah, absolutely. It's they made they made this film. Um, I think part of it is because it's so one dimensional in one office. Maybe that's part of it. Is that there's no expansiveness other than in this office and the claustrophobia of the office. Uh, well, there are a few shots, actually, when Gretchen, um, Nicole Kidman's, you know, we see her once she's left and, and she's watching this all unfold and she really has no, it's almost like she's done with the, you know, with the trial and she's not where, quite sure where this is going to end up. And so her um, relief when other women came out and stood with her is an amazing moment and hopefully that's happening more often. And uh, great bonus points to Kate McKinnon. We know her from Saturday Night Live. She's uh, 
obviously a very talented and fun person on that particular show and plays a wide variety of characters, but this is an opportunity. Her character is not funny. I mean, she's not, I mean, she's, she is playing a serious character. She's a, a lesbian and a liberal working in Fox News. That's where she got the job. Now she can't get a job anywhere else because she works at Fox News. You know, and I, uh, that, that uh, she is not, I'm sure she's a fic- fictional character as well, but she did very, very well. And this, this I would think would lead to great things for her. Yeah, I, I can't say enough about how many minutes, not that many minutes on the screen and you were immediately engaged. I, to, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say she almost created a completely different tone. And I'm not sure if that was her doing or the director's doing. It was like a different film. For me the minute she came on and I was like I wanted to see more of that but there was a good reason why you didn't see see more of that that character but brilliant absolutely brilliant it was a re- great construct in a movie that uh, certainly had its flaws but uh, those flaws are not at the top of the uh, marquee because Charlize Theron Nicole Kidman Margot Robbie and John Lithgow all outstanding in Jay Roach's bombshell and that'll wrap up this first edition of reconcilable differences with Danny and Jane my partner in crime. We didn't have too many disagreements. No, well, there was one good one there in the middle. But uh, anyway, we did see somewhat eye to eye in this. We generally see eye to eye on on films, but not completely. Other issues we'll see in the future. On stay rec- tuned. Stay rec- tuned. <laughs> exactly on reconcilable differences at the Danny Klinkskill Reasonably Irreverent Podcast on Arts and Lifestyle Wednesday. It's presented by Cinematic Visions. This podcast was made possible by our great sponsors like Easton Roofing, the presenting sponsor of Kansas City Profiles at the Danny Kling Scale Reasonably Irreverent Podcast. Easton Roofing, where integrity matters. We hope you enjoyed the latest Danny Kling Scale Reasonably Irreverent Podcast. Come back soon for something fresh and new. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.